Morning, everyone. So Nehemiah chapter 8. All the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right stood Matitithia, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Masiah. And on his left were Pediah, Mishael, Malkajai, Hashem, Hashbandanah, Zechariah, and Meshalam. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Achab, Shabbatai, Hadiah, Masiah, Kalita, Azariah, Jozabad, Hanan, and Peliah instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. On the second day of the month, the heads of all the families, along with the priests and the Levites, gathered around Ezra the teacher to give attention to the words of the law. They found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded through Moses, that the Israelites were to live in temporary shelters during the festival of the seventh month, and that they should proclaim this word and spread it throughout their towns and in Jerusalem. Go out into the hill country and bring back branches from olive and wild olive trees, and from myrtles, palms, and shade trees, to make temporary shelters, as it is written." 
So the people went out and brought back branches and built themselves temporary shelters on their own roofs, in their courtyards, in the courts of the house of God, and in the square by the water gate, and the one by the gate of Ephraim. The whole company that had returned from exile built temporary shelters and lived in them. From the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated it like this, and their joy was very great. Day after day, from the first day to the last, Ezra read from the book of the law of God. They celebrated the festival for seven days, and on the eighth day, in accordance with the regulation, there was an assembly. Amen. Well, this year, Becca and I celebrate our 25th wedding anniversary. It's been a wonderful 25 years, and I have here one of the first love letters Becca wrote to me. In it, Becca reveals her heart, her deepest feelings. How do you think she would feel then if I just... Ripped it up. Don't worry, that's not really a letter from Becca. <laughs> but imagine it was. A real love letter must be cherished and poured over. Because the way you treat the letter reflects the way you, you feel about the writer. The Bible is God's love letter to us. The way we treat God's word reflects the way we feel about the writer. Do we love God's word and pour over God's word? Do we cherish it? Do we read it joyfully? Or do we, in effect, rip it up and throw it away? Because we never read it we don't love it. We don't love God. Here in Nehemiah 8, God restores his people's relationship with himself, and he does it through his word. God's word is read, God's word is taught, and God's word is obeyed. Those are my headings this morning. Firstly, then, God's word is read. Verses 1 to 4. The end of verse 73 in chapter 7. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So the people of God have been engaged in the great project of restoring the city walls of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was intended to show the glory of God to the world, like when the Queen of Sheba came to visit Solomon and she was bowled over by the glory and splendor of Solomon's reign. Jerusalem was meant to have that effect. But in 586 BC, 
The city was destroyed by the Babylonians. The cream of society was carried off into exile. Jerusalem was left in ruins. What did that say about Israel's God? It appeared to say that Israel's God was not glorious. When in fact, he is the only true God. And so, Nehemiah comes to Jerusalem and the, with, and the people with him restore the city walls. The glory of God is being restored in Israel. And now, the glory is revealed through God's word. Verse 2. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women, and all who were able to understand. Verse 3, he read it aloud from daybreak till noon. Just think about that for a moment. He read it for perhaps six hours from daybreak till noon. And the people didn't get bored. They were gripped. This is what we would call a revival situation. What was previously of no interest to the people, what they previously ignored, now gripped them. And this is what we should pray for our society. All right. At the moment... The great mass of British people have no interest in the word of God. But if God were to come by his spirit, this could be changed instantaneously. Just as the people are gripped by God's word in Nehemiah 8, so the people could be gripped in our society. If only we will come to pray. Prayer is the answer. Prayer is the key to spiritual revival. Probably we all struggle with prayer. My mind wanders. But there is power in prayer. Power when we pray on our own. Power when we come together in prayer, where there is currently no interest in the things of God, so there may be fascination with God's word. If only we will pray. Of course, you've got to be willing to speak as well. That's how ministry works. We pray and we speak, we pray, and we act. We talk about Jesus when we've asked for God's help. Ezra the priest reads the Bible aloud from daybreak till noon. And end of verse 8, all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. 
I don't know whether you've ever taken a school assembly. I have. And as you look out over, well, this hall, full of faces, seemingly with no interest in the things of God. It's quite a challenge. You long that God will come by his spirit and give spiritual life and give spiritual hunger that he'll create an interest in Jesus. As you look out over a hall like this, you know you need God to come and move by his spirit. And that's exactly what happens here in Nehemiah 8. Where there is spiritual death, God creates spiritual life. The people are gripped. They listen attentively to God's word as God's word is read. Secondly, God's word is taught. Verses 5 to 10. Verse 5. Ezra opened the book. As he opened it, the people all stood up. The people have great respect for the word of God. Verse 6. They all praise the Lord. They lift their hands. They bow down and worship. Their faces to the ground. When God's word is read... God himself is present. The people respond to God's word as to God himself. They're full of praise and awe at God's presence. Revival situations are always like this. You've heard me talk several times about the 1859 revival that I've studied there was a tremendous sense of awe that came upon the people. I long for that. It has happened in my experience. I can think of services I've been part of where when the preacher has finished and the congregation have been dismissed, nobody moves. There's a palpable sense of awe on the congregation. And the people just stay, heads bowed, deep in prayer, doing business with God. And in that context, verse 7, the Levites instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. So the Levites were doing pretty much what I'm doing now, hopefully. Making the Bible clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. That really is what we have to offer at Christchurch. 
Yes, we can work at being a loving community. Yes, we can do our best to put on events that people want to come to. But we don't have a beautiful building. We don't have a robed choir. What we have is a Bible and a lectern. What we have to offer is Bible teaching, plain and simple. And God will bless that when we pray. This is Ezra's priority. It comes in the description of Ezra. In verse 9, he's a priest and teacher of the law. What does Ezra say? This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. An emotional response is a good thing. We don't want emotionalism being emotional for its own sake. But we do want to be cut to the heart. We do want to grieve when the Bible confronts us with our sin. Jesus said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. It's a good thing to mourn over sin. So we can see then that being taught the word of God is not just an academic exercise. It's not just learning more facts about God. It's certainly not standing in authority over God's word. Bible teaching confronts us with ourselves, what we're really like, where we need to change, where we need to be more like Jesus. But we don't stay in our grief because when the Bible cuts us to the heart, it also brings us comfort. It also brings us joy. As Jesus says, when we mourn, we are comforted. We're comforted because there's always forgiveness. The great good news of the Bible is that God has made a way for us to be forgiven. God has given his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to leave the glory of heaven, to be born as one of us, to live a perfect life, and to die on the cross in our place, taking the punishment for all our sinful failure. This means we can be completely forgiven. And this means we can know joy in place of mourning. As Nehemiah says to the weeping people 
in verse 10. Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. This day is holy to the Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. In place of tears, the forgiven sinner knows joy. And that joy is our strength. If you've been a Christian any length of time, you'll know this in your experience. If you're like me, you come to God every day and there's always reason to feel condemned. There's always failure. But wallowing in failure doesn't give us strength. Repentance gives us strength. The forgiveness of our sins gives us strength. The joy that comes from all this gives us strength. Receive Jesus afresh. Receive his forgiveness. Be strengthened in joy. And then thirdly, God's word is obeyed. God's word is read, God's word is taught, and now God's word is obeyed. Verses 11 to 18. Verse 11, the Levites calmed the people. Be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Rather, obey. Verse 12, the people go away to eat and drink in celebration as they've been taught. Verse 12b, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. Understanding God's word is cause for great celebration. Sunday lunch celebrates church. Sunday lunch celebrates what we've been learning together. The next day, on the second day of the seventh month, the heads of all the families, along with the priests and the Levites, gather round Ezra for more teaching. And they discover, verse 14, that in the seventh month, God's word tells them to celebrate a festival. It's the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. And during this festival, verse 14, the Israelites were meant to live in temporary shelters to commemorate how they'd lived in tents when in the wilderness before they reached the promised land. Verse 15. They were to proclaim this word and spread it throughout their towns in Jerusalem. Go out into the hill country and bring back branches from olive and wild olive trees and from myrtles, palms and other leafy trees to make temporary shelters as it is written. 
God's word must be proclaimed and God's word must be obeyed. So verse 16, the people go out and bring back branches and they build themselves temporary shelters. The whole company of exiles that had returned built temporary shelters and they live in them. And what is the effect of obeying God's word? Verse 17b. From the days of Joshua son of Nun until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated like this. And their joy was very great. That's what it's like when you obey God. There's no joy like it. When I was in the upper sixth, I had something of a rebellion against God. It only lasted about three months. It wasn't a good three months. And then in the summer, between school and the start of my gap year, I started singing with a Christian choir called Cambrensis. I went to France with them and did street evangelism and took evangelistic concerts and services with them. And I compared the joy I experienced through Christ with the things I'd experienced in my rebellion. And there was no comparison. I remember driving my car to a singing lesson and I felt such joy. The joy of the Lord was my strength. Why was I so joyful? I knew I was forgiven. I knew I was walking closely with God. There's no joy like that. And their joy was very great. Are you living in obedience to God? If you are, you will know joy. Are you a joyless Christian? Well, are you being disobedient? Is your lack of joy an indication that you're living in rebellion against God's word? Well, look at how this joyful revival continues, verse 18. Day after day, from the first day to the last, Ezra read from the book of the law of God. They celebrated the festival for seven days. And on the eighth day, in accordance with the regulation, there was an assembly. What was the key to the blessing in church life? We've talked about prayer. We could talk about evangelism. We could talk about holiness. But today we've seen one of the most important keys to blessing. In church life, God's word is read. God's word is taught. God's word 
is obeyed. Remember, God's word is his love letter to you. It tells us about ourselves, about our need for a saviour. And it tells us about Jesus. What a wonderful saviour he is. If we love God, we will cherish his love letter. Are you reading it? I don't want to send you on a guilt trip. But there's no better way to start the day than to read God's word and to pray. It's worth setting your alarm so that you have 15 minutes longer if you're a mature Christian. It's worth getting up in time to read God's word and to pray. There's no better way to start the day. There's no better way to end the day than to be back in the word and in prayer. Becca and I always read the Bible and pray at breakfast. And again, last thing before we go to sleep. We have a heavenly Father who loves us. He longs to keep in touch with us. He longs that we keep in touch with him. Here in Nehemiah 8, God's word is read, God's word is taught. Do you have an appetite for Bible teaching? There are so many resources for Bible teaching available to us. Why not go to a Bible conference? Word Alive is a great experience at Easter. You'll hear some of the best Bible teachers in the world. Or you could go to Keswick in the summer. Keswick is free. You just have to pay for your accommodation. You then contribute what you can afford to the offering. The Aberystwyth Conference in August is very good value for money. It costs about half what it costs to go to Word Alive. But if you can't manage a residential conference, what about going to a Saturday conference? What about downloading teaching on the net? We can help you find good teaching. There's a website called Cross Preach. I often listen to sermons on there. God's word is read. God's word is taught. God's word is obeyed. The proof of the pudding is in the eating. Do I read God's word? Do I seek out teaching? And then, do I obey? Let's pray.
Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its truth and its power. Thank you, Lord, for your grace in speaking to us day by day. But Lord, we're sorry for our lack of interest in your word. Forgive us for our failure to read it and to seek out teaching. Forgive us our lack of obedience. But Lord, thank you for your forgiveness. Lord, give us great joy in serving Christ. And would your word come alive to us. Grant us to read it, Lord. Grant us to set our alarms and to get up and read and pray. Keep us close to you, Lord. Keep us living in close relationship with you. Help us, Lord, we pray. For Jesus' sake. Amen.